0: Hello, my name is Ashley Lambert, and this is Fairy Sleepy, a podcast to help you fall asleep. So, close your eyes, take a deep breath, and settle in, and get ready for tonight's story, The Silver Mountain, by Maurice Baring. Baring was an English man of letters. Known as a poet, novelist, translator, and travel writer, as well as war correspondent, he had in-depth knowledge of Russia. And during World War I, Baring served in the Intelligence Corps and the Royal Air Force. A lot of writers get their characters from people they know, right? They say, write what you know about. The character Horn Fisher, who's the protagonist in The Man Who Knew Too Much, which is a collection of detective stories by G.K. Chesterton, is generally thought to be based on his good friend, Baring. Tonight's story is about a quest to find the famed Silver Mountain. And like all quests, there are always people who are greedy and will attempt to stop the hero from finding the mysteries at the end of the quest. Sometimes, the quests inevitably lead us to what is most important. Family. So get ready for tonight's story, The Silver Mountain, by Maurice Baring. And I hope it makes you very Very sleepy. There was once upon a time a king who lived in a golden palace on the top of a high hill. He was powerful, wise, and good. His reign had been a scroll of glory, and he had scattered happiness and plenty on the people of his kingdom. The king had three sons, and when he felt that his death was approaching, he grew troubled in his mind as to which of them should inherit his kingdom. In his country, it had been the everlasting custom for the king to leave his kingdom, not to his eldest son, but to that one of his family, whom he considered to be the fittest to rule. Now the king's eldest son was a soldier, a fine lad, and a brave man, indeed, he was said, to be the strongest and bravest youth. The second son was a scholar. From his earliest youth, he had pored over books, and he remembered what was in them, even after he would finished reading them. He knew all about the habits of animals, and he looked at the stars through a long telescope of his own invention. The third son was a fool. The king was perplexed as to which of these three should inherit his kingdom, for he reasoned thus My eldest son is too wild, my second son is too clever, and my third son is too foolish. So the king thought the best thing he could do would be to consult his fairy godmother and he wrote her a very long letter explaining the difficulty. His fairy godmother answered his letter directly. She said she was sorry but she could not come and see him but that she was kept indoors by a bad cold. She quite understood the difficulty of the choice but she advised the king to send his sons to look for the silver mountain and to leave his kingdom to him who should find it. The king said to himself as soon as he had read this letter, Of course, how extremely stupid of me not to have thought of this before. So he sent for his sons and he said, Tomorrow I wish all three of you to start and to look for the silver mountain and I will leave my kingdom to him who finds it. Early the next morning the three youths, they were all grown up, "'started on their search. "'The eldest took his swiftest horse "'and went off at a gallop. "'He had not gone very far before he met a man "'who was also riding on a swift horse "'in the same direction. "'He asked him where he was going, "'and the second man said "'he was looking for the silver mountain "'as he had heard that the man who found it "'should inherit a rich kingdom. "'That is true,' said the king's son. "'Nevertheless,' This quest is not for you. It is only the sons of the king who are entitled to take part in this quest. But, said the stranger, I intend to fight the king's sons and to kill them. Then I shall find the mountain and inherit the kingdom. We shall see about that, said the king's son. And he proposed that they should fight then and there which they did. And the king's son was victorious. He overcame the stranger and killed him. And then he went on his way. After many days, he came to a large town where the palace and chief buildings were all draped in black and the people of the place were walking about with sad faces talking in whispers. He asked someone what was the cause of all this grief and he was told that the chief man of the country, who some time ago had set out upon some fantastic quest, had been killed by a robber in the woods, and that it was only now his bones had been brought home. "'It is for this reason we are sad,' said the man, "'for we are without a king.' "'On hearing this,' the king's son said, "'There is no cause for grief, I,' will be your king and he rode straight up to the palace and dismounting from his horse walked up the steps of the throne and placed the crown upon his head and nobody durst say him nay then the king's son thought to himself I have now solved the whole matter it is needless for me to search all over the world for a silver mountain which I possibly may never find at all or which my brothers may find sooner than I, in order to inherit a kingdom, when I can thus gain as good as a kingdom without any trouble at all. So he thought no more about the silver mountain or of his father or of his ancient home, but he remained in this foreign country and married a wife and ruled over it, and he lived in splendor and plenty. The first thing which the second son did when he started on his quest was to consult an old scholar who lived in a hermitage and who was famous for being the most learned man in the whole world. The king's second son went to him and said, I want to find the Silver Mountain in order that I may inherit my father's kingdom. The scholar said to him, "'It is a good thing that you came to me for advice. "'Nobody in the world can help you as well as I can. "'There is no such thing as the Silver Mountain. "'And I dare say you know that already. "'Nevertheless, your father was a wise man "'to have made the quest the condition of the inheritance. "'But,' said the king's son, "'if there is no such thing as the Silver Mountain,' There remains nothing for me to do but go home and claim my inheritance. Not at all, said the old man. It is of no avail to say that there is no such thing as the Silver Mountain, especially when almost everybody in the world is quite certain that the thing exists. Where your task lies is to find out what people think is the Silver Mountain and to prove to them that it is not silver at all but an ordinary mountain just like any other. That is what you must do. And so saying the old man refused to discuss the matter any further. So the king's son set out on his quest once more and on the way he met many people who were also seeking the silver mountain. They were all anxious to find it because they said that the man who found it would be a great king and the king's son asked them to guide him to the place where it was most likely to be. This they were willing to do, and after they had journeyed for many days through forests and swamps, across large rivers, down steep valleys, and over wooded hills, they reached a wide plain, and beyond this plain rose a great chain of mountains, and in the center of this chain there towered one mountain higher than the rest, and it was covered with clouds. The people pointed to this mountain and said, Without doubt, that is the silver mountain. The king's son said he would climb this mountain, and he took the people with him. The ascent was steep and perilous, and many a time those who were with him would have turned back. Had he not encouraged them and led them on by his fiery words, and after many days of toil and hardship, they reached the summit of the mountain, whence they obtained a view over the whole country. Then the king's son said to them, This is the highest mountain in the whole of the land. The whole of the land is now revealed to us. We know all there is to be known about this country. And it is quite plain that this mountain is a mountain just like any other, and that in the whole world there is no such thing as a silver mountain. Therefore, we will go back and tell this to the whole world and save our friends and our brothers from wasting their time and exhausting themselves in fruitless labor over an insane quest. So they went back to the country and denounced the news far and wide that there was no such thing as a silver mountain and that those who had set out on the quest of it had better return to their homes. Now when the people heard this, they were angry and they threw stones at the king's son and he was compelled to flee from their city and to seek shelter in the old scholar's home. From that time forward, many people in the country ceased to think of the Silver Mountain anymore or to even search for it. And among those who were angry with the king's son, there were many who felt that his words were true nevertheless. The third son started also on the quest. He sought out all the highest mountains of the country and convinced himself that none of them could be the Silver Mountain. And yet he was sure there was such a thing somewhere. And he persisted in believing this and in saying it. He spent many years of fruitless search but he never gave up the quest. Nor did he ever lose hope that one day he should accomplish it. One evening after he had been searching all day he lay down foot sore and weary and he said to himself out loud if only the fairies would help me I should find the mountain soon enough no sooner had he said this than a beautiful fairy stood before him and said I will help you to find the silver mountain and she gave him a small mirror made of polished steel whereupon she immediately vanished The king's youngest son took the mirror and looked into it. And there he saw very distinctly the image of his father lying ill, propped up by pillows, dying lonely without any of his children about him. And the king's youngest son said to himself, What does it matter to me whether I inherit the kingdom or not? Before I think of that, I must go back and see my father before he dies. I would much rather my brothers found the mountain before me and inherited the kingdom than that my father should die without my saying goodbye to him. And he turned back and made for his home as quickly as possible. Now the king's palace was on top of a high hill, and the king's youngest son approached it from the back where he had never been before in his life. And towards evening he emerged from the forest and saw this hill before him, shining in the sunset, with the king's golden palace at the summit of it. And in the clear glory of the sunset, the hill shone like silver. And the king's youngest son, as he looked at it, said, Why? This is the Silver Mountain. And as he ran up the hill as fast as he could, he saw that it was of silver after all. So he rushed into his father's bedroom, crying, Father, I have found the Silver Mountain. It was here the whole time, at home, and we have all lived on top of it without even knowing it. The king was very pleased to see his son, and he said, My son, what you say is quite true, and you shall inherit my kingdom. And the king kissed him, and soon after this he died. And the king's son reigned in his stead, and reigned happily ever after, as the king of his country the end I hope you enjoyed this story The Silver Mountain as some of you may know I started this podcast after my mother passed away and I had a lot of trouble sleeping so I keep doing it because I hope I'm helping you. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for all the downloads and the comments and the reviews. You're amazing and I appreciate you. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Thank you for joining us and I hope you'll join us again. I'm Ashley Lambert and this is Very Sleepy. Until next time, good night.